Hello, welcome to Podcasting's Praxis. I'm David. I'm here with James. Hello. Seb. Hey there. And Jamie. Alright. How are we doing? Everyone good? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh having a little bit of self-isolation after Sunday, but that's really basically all that means these days is I haven't gone to the shops. <laughs> no <laughs> differences otherwise. <laughs> It's more of an effort than like ninety nine percent of people are really making anymore. So Christ, yes, is. I am simul- I am simultaneously so ready for this quarantine to be over, and yet in practical terms, really not fucking on for it being over. If that makes any sense, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, supposedly the pubs are going to be opening up like fairly soonish, but it's like, fuck, am I going in them? <laughs> Awful idea. Well, I mean. <clears throat> if you won't go to the pubs, then you just surrender into the fucking Luftwaffe. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. The yeah. thing that gets me about it is Scotland is supposedly being a bit better about this. If you go by like the government statements and what you know, Nicola Sturgeon and the rest have been saying about how we're going to end lockdown by stages, and you know, okay, it all sounds good, but in practice, because like the UK government has decided, you know, fuck it, British spirit, rah, and all that kind of stuff. It means that there's a sizable number of people in Scotland are just going, oh, well, I guess it's over then. And they're just ignoring the advice. And, oh, hell, I am I am really not down for, for... You know, the thing that gets me about it is we've gone to all this trouble and all this effort, and it's just about to be pissed up the wall, you know? Mm. I mean, like, it. people that are just, yeah, flat out ignoring it and stuff obviously are causing you know, the R to increase or whatever, but the lockdown was still piss poor to begin with, like as in the stuff that was actually banned wasn't sufficient. So, mm. you know, like, and then with the coming stuff as well, it's it's just like, yeah, like no no one was really 100% doing the part their part, but the point of like the government stepping in and saying stuff is that they should be getting like really, really strict so that everyone feels a little bit naughty by like going out twice or something rather than, well, we can go out a whole bunch of times, but I'm just going to go around and get pissed. And then it's like a, a different level of social contact um, because like the, the benchmark set by the national policy was so much lower. They really fucked it when they made the choice to ask rather than tell. Like mm. someone in a behavioural Fucking research unit or whatever the fuck it was. The I nudge unit. unit. <laughs> the nudge unit, fuck's sake. Um, they've obviously went, well, people are more likely to... People don't like being told what to do. They don't like that. And I mean, obviously, Jamie, you can testify to that. But <laughs> I have like, no idea what you mean. <laughs> but what they've forgotten here... What they've forgotten here is that people hate being asked to do things more. Like... They forgot how absolutely supine the British public is that when given an order, the majority of them will just say, yes, sir, and do it. But if you give them the choice, nah, fuck it. I think the thing that's really striking about it, as we have seen and as we're going to get into, is the fact that when the government's, you know, when it came to like a major pandemic that we need to like, you know, lock down and save people's lives, they just ask kind of timidly. When it came to protests against, you know, uh, institutional racism 
of the United States and to a lesser extent, but still there, the United Kingdom, that's when suddenly the police are out in force and stuff's starting to lock down. It really shows priorities. Oh, uh, yeah. It's weird that, isn't it? Yeah, but that's just the police just love antics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those wacky police and their antics. They, yeah. They love anything if it, gives them, if it gives them a good story to tell people, you know what I mean? So it's like when you see stuff like in America where that there's that thing a while back where someone stole an ambulance and went joyriding in it. Uh-huh. And they had footage on the news and there was like about 20 cars full of cops chasing after it. Like as if that was, in, you, know, you know what I mean? As if that was helping in any way. They just, <laughs> oh, I want, I want to be able to tell people I was chasing the ambulance on the news. So they're just all out there. <laughs> I think it's, it's partly it's partly a cognitive distance thing. It's them kind of going subconsciously like, oh, my job doesn't really amount to much. So when something comes up that could potentially justify it, they all have to fucking hop on it as hard as possible because most of their life is just petty tyranny. I mean, they are they are absolutely useless bastards to a fucking man. So yeah, there is that as well where it's like, you know, they get to feel like they're doing something if they're out like tear gas and protesters or whatever. Riding horses into traffic lights. <laughs> that, that video is just so, so good. I've watched it, must be 20 times at this point, as he just goes, helpful ever. And I swear, my, my brain inserts a comedy donk sound every time he charges that headlight. <laughs> yeah. I say headlight, traffic light. Comrade traffic light uh, definitely deserves a medal for the revolution. I mean, it was a headlight. So- Oh God! Uh, <laughs> oh. Very briefly. <laughs> oh damn you! Then it became a sleeping policeman. Oh! <laughs> oh! Oh God! No! That shouldn't oh, right, be okay. funny. <laughs> right. No. No more shit puns. No promises. Um. Let's let's talk about the main issue. So I mean, we, we did try and segue onto it, and then just completely fucked it. But. Um, James, what's been happening in the US that we should take note of here? Oh, well, thereby hangs a tale. So, um, we've we've all seen, if we've been paying any attention whatsoever, um, the mass spontaneous uprising that's taken place across the United States in the wake of the death of yet another member of the black populace at the hands of the police. And, um, you know, George Floyd was his name, but really he's just the latest in a long long, long chain of people to just be murked, just absolutely killed, um, without any hesitation, without any pity uh, by the police. And this time, the material conditions and the social conditions are right that people have risen up over it. They've said, no, fuck this, enough. Um, and there's lots, of, there's lots of discussion as to why. Why now? Why is it caught fire this time? Because I think the last time it really kicked off, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, but it was probably the Rodney King riots the closest thing in terms of scale. Would you guys agree with that? No? Possibly, yes. yeah. I, I can't even remember. Like As soon as I think about anything to do with the US, all I can really see is just it's another mass shooting. That's As far as my brain will take that fucking country. Well, my thinking on it is... we've Since 9-11, I don't think we've seen any protests quite on this scale or quite with this intensity. Um, and there's this whole thing about, you know, did 9-11 and the kind of patriotic backlash of that kind of suppress this kind of stuff. But the last one I really remember where things got seriously out of hand was the Rodney King riots back in the 90s. Uh, and that, again, was, you know, um, true story. If you ever have watched Terminator 2, there is a scene in that film 
where in the background the gas station where Rodney King was like had the shit kicked out of him by the police is actually in frame as that's happening. And uh, spookily Oof. enough, uh, Terminator Two, you know, Cameron's on record saying that it was really about the police and about the police state essentially. Um, and so this is a, this is a long-winded way to say that that all happened back in the nineties and fuck all changed, and now it's blown over. Um, and well, it blew over and now it's boiled over because here we are again, and this time we've got the mass unrest from coast to coast, all fifty states, and it's spread across the globe at this point. There's there's people kicking off um all over, which I suppose we'll get to when we talk about Britain in a minute. Um, I'll just say um the uh, the thing you mentioned there about Terminator Two, I don't think that's accurate. No, actually, it was on. I'm sure I saw this. Cameron himself pointed it out. Um, yeah, no, no, they, like um, Cameron, the 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 T1000 being a cop is like intentional and all that sort of stuff. But no, the 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 Rodney King stuff isn't on film. Isn't in the film. It's the the video of Rodney King being assaulted. Mm -hmm. That tape also had footage from the filming of the movie because the guy who recorded the Rodney King incident had also been recording them filming the uh, the movie. I think that's what uh, happened. Ooh. Interesting. Well, I know that the gas station where he gets beat down does appear in the background of one of the shots. Possibly, um, yeah. So, oh well. I mean, I'll, I'll take your word for it, Jamie, because I've only kind of cursory come up on it, and I'm more just talking about the fact it's it's been, Christ, like nearly 30 years at this point, and again, not much has actually physically changed. Which has led to all these, you know, riots have kicked off. Um, and the most recent thing, which I think is of note, is in Seattle, they formed an autonomous region um, on Capitol Hill. It's called the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, which, as everyone and their dog has remarked, is the best Sonic the Hedgehog level. And uh, they are essentially running their own commune, um, including, like, within it, an abandoned police station that the police pulled out of. And they just, they straight up, they have signs as you're walking into it saying you are now leaving the United States of America. So it's crazy. Like, <laughs> it, it's it's funny and, uh, oh, wow, right on. But it's also just like, holy shit, this is actual kind of, this is Paris Commune Revolution kind of stuff in its in its most basic kind of infant form, but it's there. Um, they're lucky that they're, it's in Capitol Hill because um, it makes a nice acronym of CHAZ. You know, like if it was just like, anywhere else um you know it could just be like as or actually no you could just be the autonomous zone because taz everyone loves taz the autonomous zone's like my least favorite part of the crystal maze <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's really hard to get into <laughs> i think i'll be itself. honest right I, i'm impressed by how bold it is to put those signs up saying you are now leaving the united states of america because that gives the cia free license in there now <laughs> i mean that presumes they didn't effectively have free license in there <laughs> <Yeah>. already. <laughs> I mean, I know in theory the, the CIA isn't meant to do operations on American soil, but I mean, that just means yeah, in practice. Don't I'm just imagining they, they put those signs up and then the next day Pete Buttigieg is in there wearing a fake moustache. <laughs> <laughs> a part yeah. of me wonders, I know, like, I know we have this bet where I know you, David, think it's going to be Hillary Clinton as the nominee, but I'm beginning to mm. wonder if Biden is, is going to like maybe just really fuck everything and pick Pete Buttigieg as his number two. Because that seems like the dumbest movie could make right now. 
And I mean, I mean, the dumbest movie could make right now, he already made, and that was suggesting that the police should shoot unarmed people in the legs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, He's it, made it, a few, and, and re actually increasing funding to the police because we need more community cops, that will help. Oh, best yeah. tweet. The, best thing is, the thing is, he comes out and says the cops should like aim for the legs on, on innocent people rather than like murder them outright, and you just know for a fact that was the starting pistol for a bunch of tech startups to form on, like, automated guns that like can only the trigger can only be pulled when they're aimed at a kneecap or something like that you know what i mean mm. and then they'll, it'll turn out the algorithm they use to train the guns is racist somehow as <laughs> <laughs> all algorithms are yeah but um like, actually the, the, you say pete Buttigieg is the ideal like worst case scenario pick um i actually seen an article just before we started recording from i think it was the hill where um it said that the best possible uh, the best possible VP pick would be Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I saw that as well. <laughs> I could see him doing that as well. Fucking, it ticks every fucking lib box possible. Yeah, yeah like fucking compromise is brain poison for liberals. It's it just it really the, is. oh god. No, he well, could, it works could, really well for the Democratic platform because they could they tap, do legitimately um, want to have the same you know voter base as the Republicans. And, you could tap yeah. George Bush as his vice president, do another nine eleven, because that brought that brought America together like no other event in human history. I think. <laughs> I mean, you joke, but no, I don't. Kind of did. <laughs> oh fucking hell! Oh yeah, but yeah. So, the, I mean... um, the autonomous zone has, um, if nothing else, it's definitely put like a fucking wasp up the uh, president's ass. Oh, yeah, he doesn't the, like it. The largest all. adult son in a nation composed almost entirely of large adult sons <laughs> has been having, like, a fucking absolute meltdown about it. He's, he's just itching to deploy the army on his own fucking, like, people. You know, well, more so, but, like... Well, yeah, I suppose that's the bad side of um, actually trying to claim territory. Like, everyone was saying, no, you can't deploy the military on U.S. soil. Aha! Got around that! <laughs> Yeah, I mean, by the time this episode goes out, you might well have dropped nukes on them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. In terms of, like, productive outcomes, given the number of tech firms that are based in Seattle, including some pretty fucking obnoxious ones, if you dropped a nuke on the autonomous free zone in the middle of Seattle, there's a small part of me that's like, uh, you know, I mean, you, you win some, you lose some, kind of. I mean, that might be a, <laughs> that might be a trade. Wow. War crimes from the anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know. I mean, it's real that you get to look at collateral damage and say that might not be too bad. Yeah, that's kind of that's my feeling on it. It's like on one hand, it's a genocide and atrocity, and it's you know, it's crimes against humanity, and it's you know, the destruction of civilian life. On the other hand, Amazon's based in Seattle, and it might just catch Jeff Bezos with a fallout. <laughs> like it's it's really hard not to to have a, a tiny tiny little bit of oh well actually over that but no like, SF Bezos hasn't sat right down fucking hundred feet underground in his chuff bunk. Oh, yeah, that's true. Actually, all right. Have, yeah, has think... anyone any of the billionaires fled to New Zealand yet? They must have. Surely to <laughs> God they must have. Somebody has freaked out at yeah. some point and just gone. Yeah, I wonder who though. I mean, for all we know, Elon Musk is secretly on the the uh, space station, and he's let the body double in <laughs> yeah. place. Because that launched on right on the fucking day, just boom, he's away off to the moon. Uh, well, okay, not quite, but trying. 
Uh, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. Probably locked himself inside one of his non-functional non-submarines. <laughs> God, you know, do you ever get a moment where someone brings up something and you're like, oh man, that was like 10 years ago, and then you realise, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Like it this, really wasn't. This, yeah, I mean that is, happens every day now. Yeah, that, yeah. that is a regular. <laughs> people people talk about things. People talk about things that occurred last week, and you go, "What? No one was alive that long ago, surely." <laughs> oh, there's, just, there's so much. Like people other... talk about that statue getting pulled down the other day, and in my mind, it's a bunch of like cartoon dinosaurs from the land before time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just That's such ancient us. history at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Seb, you were, you oh. were there, Seb, weren't you? Well, yeah, yeah. No, the uh, the reason that I'm self-isolating, as I mentioned earlier, is that I was at a super spreader event, the uh, the Bristol <laughs> <laughs> Bristol BLM march, and you might have caught Diplodocus fever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, like, um, despite like the the concerns and the worries about like you know, is this going to be a, a, a spreader event, stuff like that, like there were obviously 10 well like 10,000 people going incredibly good atmosphere um everything was it was like for being organized in the space of a week it was probably like one of the better ones that I've ever been to because I went through quite a few of the um the really uh like short notice organized ones like with peroguing and things like that but yeah this was like it was huge it was big well organized um the signs were really good as well and really focused, which helped. Like one thing that's happened certainly over the last couple of years is people showing up with ironic signs and they're always crap. Stop doing that, people. It's not funny. Um, but yeah, now everyone was like really serious, really dedicated, you know, sort of lists of the names of the dead um, and just, you know, BLM, things need to change. Uh, you know, just really, really good event. Um irritatingly i was on the other side of the um the march when the statues got pulled down uh, as i always am when any criminal activity yeah, takes place <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i i've yeah. just heard from a pod's lawyer that you're covered carry on <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so unfortunately i missed the actual downing of it um but went there for the aftermath um fairly swiftly and yeah you know they were just a uh, bunch of people up on the uh, the plinth where it had stood like really you know talking about need for you know organizing racial equality now this is just the beginning really powerful impromptu stuff that was just awesome um and then it got thrown in the river a little bit later well the harbor a little bit later i hear it has been fished out by now uh yeah yeah uh this is getting recorded thursday uh the so who who actually who actually fished it out because i saw the the photos of those gammons trying to do it with a long stick <laughs> oh yeah oh, it was God not them. <laughs> really i am shocked <laughs> i just like to imagine the conversation that took place leading up to them attempting that like i know we'll just we'll get a big stick right because i've heard if you've got a, a lever you can lever anything i that, yeah. that that should work shouldn't it oh send big dave in big dave's good at swimming you know that i kind really of hope I think the I really plan hope was... it was more brain genius than that, and there was like just a bit of string at the end with a magnet attached. <laughs> oh, yes. I, gonna, I think the plan was for the statue to just get hold of the stick and they would help it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be honest, though, I I kind of hope it's just total mercenary um, stuff. It's like someone's just thrown like four hundred kilograms of bronze into the harbour, 
that's got to be worth a couple of hundred quid. Let's just go fish it out. Like these, these were admittedly very much gammon stereotypes doing the, the fishing, the, the game with the, the stick and the rod. But um, yeah, like just the idea that somebody goes in there just to, to melt it down. Just that thought is good too. I, I, I genuinely have no idea what you mean by the game with the stick and the rod. It sounds like some thrilling Victoriana. Oh, no. <laughs> I have butchered a shooting stars quote, so never mind. <laughs> Honestly, God, when I saw him trying to fish it out, my brain just shit posted hard and just imagined someone playing Animal Crossing and doing the fishing mini game. Like, what the fuck? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, no, it's been taken out now. The council's got it. Um, well, it's, yeah, it's like... an undisclosed location. <laughs> Yeah, for <laughs> cleaning or something. But yeah, like nobody knows who actually owns the statue. Like the last I heard, nobody knows because it was like privately funded a uh, hundred and thirty years ago or something. Then put and basically just left on council land. But it's it's a huge statue and on a plinth, so everyone just kind of assumed it was somebody else's responsibility, <laughs> and nobody seems to yeah have control of it like and doesn't this matter for actual charges related to it right um apparently not like uh the police would still be um on their grounds for you know to prosecute as um the for you know the the action of the state for vandalism rather than it being somebody having to press against them so they'll get they'll get you on some sort of like catch-all thing like breach of the peace or some shit you know what i mean Mm. yeah but anyway, there there is a uh, solidarity fund being set up for the, anyone who does end up getting charged. Um, Excellent. And yeah, I've been careful with any photos that I've taken from the day, just in case I grab somebody with, you know, a couple of uh, lengths of rope yeah. around their arm and a hook or anything like that. So I'm making <laughs> sure I'm not posting any of that. Well, but, you weren't doing any selfies, so I'm sure you're fine. Oh yeah, no, I I am as pure as the driven snow, as they say. Oh, actually, no, that's a terrible thing to say in this context. <laughs> <laughs> wow, those impromptu speeches have been working well, haven't they? <laughs> so uh, can we uh, can we have a link to Seb's bail fund included <laughs> in the show notes? Oh, oh God. Oh, I think no. the thing is as well, though, those four gammons that were trying to, like, you know, punt the statue further out to sea with their long pole, they're probably trying to do the same thing at Netflix now to recover Little Britain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just prodding the screen with the big iron pole. Yeah, it's got to be in there somewhere. I, Mrs. Brown's boys are gone as well, apparently. Really? Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was shit, but it was fucking. It is fucking atrocious, like. I can hear you better now. Mrs. Brown's boys is still up like they didn't actually. That you, you fell for a part of the article. Oh, no. See, I'm really disappointed because yeah. that one could really serve to go. Like, nothing of value would be lost if that one went to. Yeah. yeah it, I've watched only clips, but it does just seem bad. I mean, <coughs> you, could, you could probably get, like, Graham Linehan and J.K. Rowland to have a go at us. Oh. Yeah, they've took uh, BBC's removed Little Britain because of all the obvious fucking overt racism that happened so long ago in the mid two thousands. With a reunion special yeah. like last year or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah um, it, it's great. Um, it's great. People are complaining like they should put warnings on it like they do with Tom and Jerry cartoons, and it's like the Tom and Jerry cartoons are like from the fifties or something. 
Do you know what I mean? It wasn't still the seventies mm. in two thousand and four. Mm. So <laughs> it's a bit. They're on a bit dicier ground. Like also yeah, a little bit. Yeah, the Tom and Jerry cartoons are relatively tame in comparison. Like they have racism in them, but it's not quite on the same kind of virulent level as some of the stuff that's in. Well, anything from the BBC in the mid two thousands. To be honest. If you pay attention, Christ. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of other shit going about, like a lot of other statues have been like some so councils have just the, come out and said that yeah. they're gonna take them down. Um and, and it, it's frankly we might as well have surrendered to the Taliban. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh I, I loved did you did you catch that there was a bunch of gammons having a conversation about this? And they were saying, Yeah, you know what? Uh, we need to find like a statue of Muhammad or something. Yeah. I saw, I saw a guy um, saying that by, by taking, pulling down that one statue and removing little Britain from Netflix, we make the uh, Khmer Rouge look like liberals. <laughs> <laughs> Proportional response. Something the right wing yeah. have never been good at. Hmm. Oh yeah, so there's been there's been a lot of um, talk about removing statues of certain people. Um, apparently, the the family of the or the family the the descendants of um, William Gladstone have said they're happy for the statue to go, which is great. Um, there's a big thing about the Cecil Rhodes statue at Oxford, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I caught an article actually earlier on, just not long before we started this podcast, um, about the. Uh, Duke of Wellington statue in Glasgow. So if anyone's kind of familiar with Glaswegian imagery, the, the cone on the statue, it's that statue. Um, and I was I was having a look in, at this article. Basically, there's a call for it to be added to a... added to a list of statues that will be removed and put in like a kind of monument park type thing along the lines of the ones in like Moscow. And... A few, there's just a few things where the article really fucking rubbed me the wrong way, so it picks up on the monument parks of Moscow and Budapest. It completely fails to mention any of the, the monument graveyards that they've got in the likes of India, which mm. are fucking great. Because they're maintained like to some degree in these places, because they are like you're supposed to go in and look at them and all that kind of stuff. But in India, the all of the, the colonial statues and all the other shit like that they're all just dumped in like big old courtyards and they don't tend the courtyard, they just let it overgrow and they just let the statues fucking crumble as time goes on and I think that's really the perfect thing that you can do um, mm. short of smashing them right there and then. Yeah, but I mean, that's never going to fly with the British public because it's it's erasure of very important history. Like, mm. literally, I don't think there's, there's probably less than 10 white people in the entire country who'd heard of that Colson prick before the statue got pulled down. Yep. Well, I mean, to be fair, like, in Bristol, this has been a thing for a long time. Um, Bristol's I mean, like, weird because Bristol's run that. by this, yeah, Bristol's run by this weird, like, Colson Appreciation Society and has been for hundreds of years. Yeah, the merchant like, Bristol's fucked up in that. Yeah, it's weird. Um... Like, a lot of other ones, yeah, to, to some degree don't. I mean, like, if I can read a wee quote for this. Um, the Wellington statue is an iconic image in Glasgow with the cone on its head that people are so proud of. On the friezes around the statue are images of him slaughtering South Asians, sacking Indian cities, and it sits outside a slaver's house built off the back of enslaved African people. 
But hardly anyone knows this about Wellington or the Cunningham Mansion, despite most people seeing the building and statue on a daily or weekly basis. Like, is it, that, that, to me, reads like an excuse for keeping it yeah. before all this. Mm. Like, but now we know. Like, I mean, I've just read the fucking article. You've just told me exactly what the people have done. Like, now we know. So it's no longer a fucking excuse. That annoyed me. Um, I don't know. The Wellington statue is maybe the only one that I'm very slightly, not hugely, but slightly conf- conflicted about. Because, um, I mean, like, the racist, you know, reliefs on the Plymouth and Atlantic can fucking go. And mm. it would be good to have the context, like, right up there and in, in front. But the Wellington statue... It already has this kind of community ritual humiliation thing going on with it, with the cone. Yeah, what's the, what's the story with this? Because do, do all statues just not get a traffic cone on the head every time like a drunk lad goes past? Because that's how it works around here. Yeah, no, th- this one specifically, because you need to climb the fucker. It's a challenge to get up to the yeah. top of it to put the cone on. And it's, it is, it's exactly that. It's not a sign of protest. It's literally the thing you do when you're drunk. And I'm going to shoot that little point that you just made there, James, in the head by weaponising an SNP councillor against you. Oh my God, please, anything but that. <laughs> Glasgow SNP councillor Graham Campbell believes the, the statue symbolises anti-establishment protest and should stay. Fuck, I'm wrong. Okay, I concede. I'm, yep. I'm done. It's, it's authorised estab- by the establishment, anti-establishment protest. It's, it's getting down in one knee when you're told to. Well, whatever mild... Uh, you know, conflict I had over that as well and truly gone, let's fucking nuke it. <laughs> Put it in a Seattle Autonomous Zone and let Trump nuke it. Mm, yeah. Well, for real, actually, if we do get rid of it, I hope we still have something we can put a traffic cone on. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, just put Donald Jr. on a horse. See, I feel kind of bad about that because that statue doesn't completely fucking suck. And yet, if he had to raise the plinth like five times because people kept climbing up and wrecking his glasses, trying to force a cone on his head. <laughs> that, I mean, that's, that's, that's another thing. That's another thing about like all these fucking people crawling out of the woodwork to scream about a statue getting tipped into a harbour. Is it's most of them are the same sort of people who would have like six pints and then like climb up a statue to vandalise it themselves just for yeah. larks. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, but now, or now, it's it's vitally important that the history that they don't teach you in school is preserved because no one knows about it, but it has to be preserved so that it's there mm. in case we ever decide we want to learn about it. The only way to do that is like, um, is by looking at statues because, like, you know, schools are so bad they didn't they didn't teach any of us to read. I learned yeah. everything from statues personally. I mean, when when I was at school, um, I I, I left school pretty much unaware of the fact that Britain had even been involved in the slave trade. Like what yeah. we did, what we did in, in history was the Romans 1066, Henry VIII, two world wars and one world cup. That was, <laughs> that was literally the entire like history curriculum from age four to 16. I definitely pretty learned much, about yeah. the triangle trade, but like in with none of like the, the moral, impact of destroying communities yeah. and enslaving this, people. This was a thing that happened. Yeah. yeah. Some some people did it. It wasn't us. Like, it was just some people. Seb, can I ask, where did you grow up out of curiosity? Oh, uh, this is in the southwest. Uh, Somerset. In the southwest? Yeah. Okay, cool. No, I just wondered because like, there seems to be a little bit of variation across different parts of the country. Well, the country. The nation, sorry. I'm not even sure if nation fits because it's like Scotland's going its own way. But like, in Scotland... Mm. In like um you know 
the greater Glasgow region that I'm in, growing up, the history just pretty much blanked anything that was even remotely controversial. It was almost identical to what Jamie just described, except with a yeah. tiny little bit of Scottish focus. We didn't even get the Highland clearances, which you think, you know, if it was ever going to be something that Scotland would stick on its, you know, history syllabus to kind of, you know, give a, a little bit of kind of patriotic indoctrination or any of that kind of shit, they'd do that. But no, just the, nothing controversial at all. The clearances, I, I remember the clearances being at least touched on. I mean, it's been a fucking while now, but we did definitely cover it to some degree. But to be honest, when I think back to history, all I can remember is um, crop rotation, mm-hmm. uh, fucking the home front appeasement of Hitler, and then getting really angry that my teacher decided at the last minute he wasn't going to teach the Russian Revolution, but instead we would do the American West. Oh, disappointing that... in retrospect for many reasons. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that fucking sucked. I hated that year. Yeah. Why? Um, why? What is there even to teach about the American... Like, here's the thing. Did they cover the racism of the American West? Um, there was definitely elements of... Yeah, yeah, there was, because it did get a little bit into the Civil War. Um, and look, we did kind of cover slavery to a degree, but again, nothing in the realms of... And, and by the way, we were responsible for that. There was none of that. It just all happened far away. Mm. Mm. Total aside here, but supposedly, like, the period of the Wild West, you know, with cowboys and stuff like that, like, the actual time frame for that happening was probably only about five years, because between, like, the actual, you know, spreading into those areas and the development of the railways, which completely replaced the need for large cattle drives Mm. across the country and hence cowboys, it was only about five years, which is really weird that that tiny slice of history just became to epitomise it even though it was completely negligible both at the time and a uh, period of time. It's almost like um, capital doesn't allow a frontier to go unexploited for very long. Mm. Yeah. And I've also, like, I've heard the same thing. I don't buy that argument because, like, just because the railway was spread in doesn't mean it wasn't more economical to have the cowboys drive the cattle than it was to pay the freight companies on the, like, one railway line that was put in to move the cattle by rail. No, that's a fair um, point. Like, I, I, I understand why people are kind of thinking that, but it's the kind of liberal kind of perspective of, oh, well, you know, clearly this is the more efficient way to do it, rather than going, yes, but we could just grind human lives into pace to do it for a few cents less. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the Wild West is such a, a huge, like, part, it, it, as short as it, is actually, it actually was, it has such cast such a huge shadow over the American psyche because it's one of the few times when, like, any it, it just it's it idealizes what it is to be an american in that anyone could pick up a gun head west and get involved in a genocide personally it just you know it epitomizes that can do spirit that the americans love to inflict on nations around the world yeah and progress has only allowed it to you know get even easier you don't need to go west anymore you can just go pick up a gun and go to your nearest large communal area and just shoot some people I mean, I get that when you were starting that, Jamie, there was an attempt at a joke there, but the problem we face is it's, it's the onion problem. Any satire you create has too much of a ring of truth of it to actually be like <laughs> laughable. Because it yeah, can... I was just nodding along there. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't trying to do like a, a big funny or anything. I was just having a fucking go at the Americans. <laughs> a worthy to suit. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's right to kind of to bring it round to, to talking a bit about the whole structural side of things. Like, America as a nation is well and truly 
founded on imperial expansion, on this whole idea that you have a population, it moves into a territory, and it slowly expands to capture that territory and take its resources and displace or subjugate whoever's already living there. Um, and since that foundation, America's basically run as an imperium. And once they like, took the whole of the US, they cast their gaze outward, and uh, you know South America followed, and then the rest of the globe kind of followed in one way or another. And the same sort of approach to justice, law, and order, which was put into place in the United States and in, in seizing the West, in you know shoving all the uh, you know indigenous peoples onto reservations, and then taking those reservations away whenever it became inconvenient. Like you know, complete aside, but so they, sh they shoved all the indigenous peoples of the United States into reservations. But then, for a few of those reservations, they discovered they had oil. So they shoved them off the reservations and put them in other places um, so they could then claim the oil. It, it really, you know, it's a slow kind of genocide. And that, in a, in, a, in a microcosm, you know, that set the ground for then when slavery, you know, was supposedly ended. It's not actually ended in the United States, but it's ended supposedly on a racial back basis, which again is not entirely true. Like, when that ended, the same kind of thing was put into practice. Um, and that's where the whole kind of, you know, petition of towns and, you know, uh, separate but equal kind of bullshit started to get off the ground. This whole idea that you segregate a population, you put them in de facto a ghetto or worse, and that becomes a means of like policing and controlling them. And as America has expanded across the globe, it's been able to essentially apply those tactics to South America, to other places, you know, engaging in just horrible police action. But as the rate of kind of ability to extract profit has declined, as things have become so automated, so kind of um, overdeveloped to the point that, you know, everything is carved up, everyone's got their slice of the pie, um, they've now increasingly had to kind of turn those tactics inward because there's not the enough profit flowing from outside the United States to keep everything cushy on the inside. And that kind of leads us to where we are today. Mm. I wish there was a joke I could make off the back of that, but there's really not. No, just a complete thought, all in all, yeah. Mm. Yikes. It's amazing that a country that isn't actually real can do all that. Yeah. All right, unpack it, David. Really... What? Unpack what? How is America not a real country? It's not a real country. It's not like, just look at the fucking state of it. Would a real country get up to half the shit they got up to? I don't know. Would they cry anything else that does similar as a, as a failed state? Well, see, that's the thing. America, and by extension, all the Western kind of imperial powers that go along with America, they've always liked to be able to kind of point to third world countries or to countries they claim are in the third world and basically go look at the horrible repression they're doing and use <laughs> it as like a causus belli to institute regime, regime change and, you know, extract their resources. Um one of the things that's maybe quite positive that's come off the back of this is it seems like the American public have kind of broke a bit and realised, oh, this has always been a bit of horseshit. In surprising numbers, too. Did you hear that, like, 52% of the American population supports the burning of that police precinct? Yeah. Like, it's nuts. Fucking great. If you told me, like, two months ago that this was, you know, 52% of the American population, including a huge preponderance of Republicans, would be in favour of burning down a police station, I'd have been like, nah, you're, you're on, well, I don't know what planet you're on, but you're not on Earth. Yeah. I Probably mean, on one where the simulation's still fucking functional. People just like things to happen. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think I mean, even like, more... An even more stark indicator of um, change in the United States is the fact that they've cancelled cops. Uh, yeah. 
yeah. the, co the cops are not taking that one very well. Did you see the video of the police chief? I think, is it in, is it the LAPD? Does anyone know? Oh, was it not New York? It was New York, I think. Oh, was it New York? Just this fucking gammon. You know, standing in front, front of, of a podium. sea of white faces yelling about how they're not racist and how uh, dare yeah, you, yeah. how dare you suggest that a policeman has ever done wrong. I've never seen such a perfect tantrum that encapsulates the whole, like we talk about, you know, if you don't respect us, we won't respect you. And it's that old phrase that to some people, when they say, if you don't respect me, I won't respect you. What they mean is, if you don't treat me as an authority, I won't treat you as a human being. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen such a perfect tantrum that just absolutely demonstrates that. I mean, no one respects any cops, but especially not the fucking NYPD. They're, they're just the biggest bunch of fucking pissy children on the face of the planet. They actively cause crime as well. They, yeah, they went on they're always on, and, they're uh, always on Twitter and it's <laughs> they're always on Twitter and it's like, oh here's here's five of our like fucking space marine fucking legions who descended on this <laughs> one street corner and caught a guy who had like a fucking a book that was overdue from the library. You won't do that again. <laughs> and it's like, Jesus Christ, do you know what I mean? It's it's like, you know, when you see those fucking dipshits that like that go out to Africa and shoot a lion that's already been caged for them uh, and then pose with a body. Yeah. It's it's like that, but writ large as a public institution. Do you know what I mean? They're just fucking absolute dipshits, a lot of them. I mean, they absolutely are. And like Seb said, they actively manufacture crime because, I mean, okay, let's, let's talk a little bit of theory for a second, right? When you get down to what is a crime? And most people who don't think about it assume, oh, well, it's, you know, a crime is, it's an injustice of some kind, usually involving like violence or theft or something like that. But in practical terms, a crime is just whatever the state has decided it doesn't want to happen. And it absolutely weaponizes that for political means. And one of the ways America has weaponized it ever since the Emancipation, uh, the, the emancipation Proclamation my God, that shouldn't have been so hard for me to say. <laughs> See, um, you're pissed. Yeah, exactly. Like, one of the ways they, they did that is they, they straight up, they set up all the Jim Crow laws and then the much more subtle ones, which still exist to this day, purely to continue the subjugation of minority populations. And so the police's job is essentially like, I mean, Richard Nixon and his advisors admitted this after they were out of office, that they started a war on drugs to help with Richard Nixon's favorability ratings and to help with his kind of political problems. And they picked drugs because their two major groups that Nixon had trouble with were hippies and black people. And so if they went after, um, you know, marijuana, they could tar the hippies. And if they went after all the other drugs, including like heroin, etc., um, they could tar the black people by creating a totally unfounded association. And that was that was just explicit. It was there to be able to put hippies and black people in jail. And so here's a problem, though. Let's say you apply those laws for long enough, like the American state has done. Eventually, you're going to reach a point where they're no longer endemic in the communities you're targeting. Like, enough people are going to go, oh, man, you know, I'm not going to fuck around smoking pot because it's just it's more trouble than it's worth, particularly if I'm in a, a vulnerable population. At some point, you then need to start manufacturing drug crimes. And, you know, they do this. American police straight up do this. And I don't just mean in terms of, like, planting shit on people who they arrest, which the NYPD does all the fucking time and it's been thoroughly documented. Don't at me about that one. They also, <laughs> they'll do things like um, buy busts and shit where essentially they do what you would think is kind of an entrapment, 
where they get they get an undercover officer to ask someone, hey, listen, can you get me some blow? Can you get me some weed? Can you get me some whatever? And then the person's like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, well, I'll pay you for it if you can get me some. And they'll go, oh, well, maybe I can hook you up with someone. And then the second they do, boom, you know, they slap them in irons and throw them in jail. Mm. It's like the FBI creating their own terrorism yeah, problem. I was yeah. just literally about to mention that. Yeah, it's mm. it's how it's it's the only the only time you ever see like the police or the FBI or anyone get results is when they've manufactured it themselves to get those results because they're absolutely fucking useless at their jobs the rest of the time. Yeah, and it's like it's that, but endemic and on an ongoing basis in every African American population in the United States as a means of social control. And it's more than social control, because here's a really insidious part. I mentioned slavery earlier, and this is increasingly becoming well-known, but America didn't abolish slavery. The original statute said that if you were black or if you were a criminal who was serving a sentence, you could be enslaved. They got rid of the black part, supposedly. And what did they then do? They started locking up black people, because it accomplishes exactly the same thing without the, oh, well, but it's it's unfair kind of liberal hand-wringing over it. Instead, they get to kind of say, oh, well, I mean, they're criminal. They did a crime. It's just punishment. And everyone kind of nods their head and goes, yeah, that sounds perfectly reasonable to me. And so we have a situation where there are literal cotton plantations in the south of America that were cotton plantations before the abolishment of slavery, and now they're prison plantations or predominantly African-American, you know, um, population who are out there picking fucking cotton except instead of slave drivers on horseback watching them all it's fucking prison cops it's the screws mm. and, and that's it. it it's an american prison industrial complex run off minority labor enforced by this horrible policing standard well yeah i mean like obviously slavery is sadly still used around the world you know here in the uk as well um just in the Bristol example, um, potential liable uh, warning if I get this wrong. But um, the... hang on, hang on one sec. Right, okay, the pod solicitor is online. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so one of the MPs that I believe, well, it, it's in the Bristol area. I can't remember the exact uh, seat that they have, but anyway, their family, it to some extent, uh, runs a bunch of ice cream parlors. And one of them got done for the Modern Slavery Act um, because they apparently employed slaves in um, some part of their, um, you know, ice cream thing. Oh, yeah. Here it is. The, uh, yes, the, the Lopresti ice cream family members. Oh, no, they will not stand trial over uh, the modern slavery charges. So none, none of them, it seems... Uh, actually got convicted of it but there was some modern slavery going on around their ice cream stuff i always love i always love when they describe it as modern slavery like it involves lasers or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah well we're we're living in blade runner now it happened last year so you know enslaving the simulants or whatever it is a rhetorical thing i mean we talk about the modern slavery act implying that slavery went away but now it's come back. Yeah. That's essentially the rhetorical kind of flourish for doing with it. But it's never fucking gone away. And neither has Empire, really. Like, um, and it, you know, it's all of the nations um, which comprise the West to one way or, you know, one degree or another, they have all been involved in slavery and they've all been involved in holding territory where their, you know, core populations don't live and subjugating the, the populations that are there to serve the core populations. 
And for some of them, like, you know, we talk about how, you know, Britain dismantled, got rid of its empire. What I see when I look at America and I look at the protests going on there, I kind of see a parallel of what happened with Britain and Northern Ireland, right? Which might seem, you know, that might seem like a bit of a reach and a bit controversial, but essentially Ireland was held territory by, you know, um, Great Britain, essentially. And with the dismantlement of empire, things became increasingly intolerable within the territory of Ireland to the point that we, you know, we had the three counties and then we have like the nation of Ireland come out of it. And then as the British empire shrank, as it fell deeper into decrepitude, essentially the subjugation in held territories got worse, which led to the point of Northern Ireland being more or less war-torn until eventually Britain came to a compromise on how to kind of de-escalate things. That's like literally what was an internal territory to Britain, so to speak, um, a claimed territory that they, they held through force of arms. That degenerated to the point that you had a kind of civil war inside it. You now look at most American communities and you realize it's kind of got an eerie parallel. As American kind of imperium has waned to an extent, the social unrest has gathered strength to the point that now they're kind of having the same conflict starting to erupt. And it's a, it's a spooky thing to consider, but it does kind of put it in perspective. Have any of you have any of you seen videos or you know do you remember back in the mists of time what what Northern Ireland looked like in many of the cities during the kind of um, during the troubles? I've seen pictures of a lot of rubble. Yeah, like a literal war zone, and yeah. literal like you know armed police and straight up troops wandering the area with guns. Um, but less obvious are some of the uh, the older pictures of what Northern Ireland looked like when things were just, when they were kicking off but hadn't yet got to blows. And I've looked at some of them and it is eerily similar to what we're seeing in essentially um, the United States right now, even with this, you know, autonomous free zone they're kind of building. Uh, because that's kind of, I mean, you know, free dairy kind of has a lot of parallels in a lot of ways well they made a stupid sign i i don't know if there's uh such a uh you know complete well, uh, analysis uh comparison no no, no i'm I, i'm not trying to do i'm not trying to do a complete one for one but i'm trying to give a kind of there are kind of structural parallels in this and it's interesting to see where things might go because I'll be honest, I'm not sure if these if these protests will actually amount to a tremendous structural difference. I think they're probably likely to be put down and put down hard. Mm. But the underlying social issues aren't going away. The structural issues aren't going away. And I wonder what a future America is going to look like as these things kick up. I don't know if you guys have thought about that at all. I, d I don't know how well just the, the island comparison sits, though, because like while there's you know lots of separatist secessionist kind of logic within you know america american history and stuff like that it it would just seem to be shaking down in in a way that makes that comparison not like not necessarily more helpful than any other state that's you know sort of faced internal revolts or internal separatist movements i can i can see i can see the there are parallels, like at least in, at least in aesthetics, there's parallels. Um, it's not just in aesthetics. It's like I mean, what I'm kind of going for here is obviously there's not a racial parallel, and that level of the oppression isn't there. And I'm not trying to 
it, you know, I'm not doing that fucking white American thing of going, oh, well, the Irish were slaves too. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there is kind of essentially political repression, uh, which I think is kind of a, the heart of these things. Like, empire as a whole, any empire essentially works by means of political repression. It moves into territory and kind of says, you don't get to govern yourselves. You don't get to rule your own communities. Instead, they're ruled from afar. Um, and America kind of does the same thing. It has internal communities, which, I mean, you know, you've seen the stats on police actually living in the territories that they police in the States and how yeah. fucking low it is generally. You know, it's it's the same pattern repeats again and again and again. And the way I kind of look at it, like my feeling on this thing is that as essentially the ability to extract wealth and profit from around the globe and funnel it into America to maintain a kind of social bubble of kind of a middle class and all things goes with it, as that extraction has slowed down, and slowed down for a whole bunch of different regions, including the fact that more and more of that wealth is just being funneled straight to the top of society and fuck everyone else, as that slowed down, people willing to put up with the political repression, people be, uh, willing to identify with the state and go, yeah, everything's fine, that's diminished to the point that now it's necessary to politically repress them at force of arms, increasingly. And that's kind of what's led to this conflict. And it started with, you know, all throughout history, they've just done it to the Black Americans without batting an eye. But if you look at the protests, there are so many people now who aren't Black, who aren't of any other like oppressed minority basically there's plenty of white people out there that are joining these protests and it's because economic circumstances have devolved to the point that they're starting to develop a bit of solidarity and recognize the injustice of the system that they've been beneficiaries of yeah and you know it's not it's, it's not one for one but i do kind of look at it as oh shit it's a decaying empire and it's a decaying empire that's increasingly unable to paper over the contradictions of its internal political repression and how that kind of comes up does that kind of clarify it a bit like, yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with certainly, you know, talking about the the actual, you know, sort of uh, interracial solidarity that is actually taking place on the streets and things like that. Then, yeah, that's absolutely evident. Um, it's just, you know, uh, I'm wondering what the specific value of the Irish comparison is rather than simply analysing the American context and saying, you know, sort of why it's going to be very different from Occupy was, for instance. Well, I mean, that might be more interesting for a podcast, to be honest, because Occupy certainly did a bunch of interesting things that ultimately went nowhere, but it didn't accomplish half of what's been accomplished in the past sort of week and a bit, has it? Well, I mean, uh, in, in defense of Occupy, like certain city branches did really well. There was Occupy Oakland that I believe uh, continued to exist for a long time and you know moved into more sort of labor solidarity support action stuff like that and there was occupy new york city which um you remember when they had the really bad flooding um i can't remember how oh, yeah. many years back yeah. it was but yeah anyway there it was, was like three years ago wasn't it oh well we've already discussed how time is meaningless some period oh, in yeah, the past. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah in like, the before time yeah and they were apparently still active and able to uh, actually, you know, intervene and help uh, support people that were evacuated and stuff. So, like fend off pterodactyls and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they had um, you know completely non hierarchical um, you know sort of uh, hunting groups to take down the the angry birds and the T Rexes and all of that stuff. <laughs> so you're basically saying that a narco primitivist saved a day. Like I can get behind this. <laughs> Ah, oh, damn, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> but 
No, but it's like in terms of forcing meaningful concession from the superstructure of America, the past like couple of, I, I don't know, it's been like a week and a half, has it? 10 days? Time really is meaningless. I'm losing track of this shit. I think it's close on two weeks now, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the amount of concessions that are already being forced, even if they're token concessions, is quite striking to me. Yeah, no one, no one is uh, sort of accepting that nothing can be done anymore. And it's always a battle about um, essentially what is going to be done sufficiently. So, you know, like Trump and various other sort of uh, mayors go in really hard with just outright repression. Uh, other political forces are trying to say, uh, like, well, reform or defund the police, etc. But no one is saying this is just a, a little, you know, this is a civil unrest. It's a blip, but it will go away again. People people are always accepting there needs to be change. The chant of the centrist rally is no longer good enough. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, it's, it's not holding, and the state is definitely worried because some of the stuff that's been going on is pretty pretty astonishing. Have you seen the stuff about crisis actors? Oh, well, that's come out in every major event for years and years now. You know, like most of the school shootings, um, you know, the children don't <laughs> yeah, even exist. School, school all dwarfs full of and actors, stuff like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the other, the flip side of it, though? Because as it turns out, there are actually crisis actors involved in this. It's just on the state side. Particularly, <laughs> like, okay, I, I'm shitposting, but at the same time, <laughs> information has come out that's shown that some of the uh, the Black Panther people who've been appearing very photogenic in many of the photographs um, that have been taken to protest... <laughs> literal like, actors. <laughs> they're, li- oh, they're literally actors. God. Someone figured it out. Someone went and found their Instagrams and dug into their past and realised that before a certain point all of their stuff is acting portfolio work. And uh, no wonder they're all looking so perfectly coiffed as they link arms with the police and hold their fists high and all this kind of shit. They, they're, they're state-backed actors. They just nakedly, holy shit. Huh. And we even they found other evidence of other people, you know, some of the black voices that have been coming forward and saying, oh, we need to talk to the police and all the rest of it. People have been digging into their histories and going, hang on a minute here, you are... You are a public spokesperson for a company that has a strange shell structure that may be state-backed at one point as well, and you mysteriously have thrown yourself to the front of these protests without prior activism work to try and explain to people why we need to cooperate with the police. It's uh, it's amazing. It's it's absolutely amazing. I like all the people who've been um, shouting about how the the protests have been peaceful. They they've been peaceful and respectful and. All the actual violence has been done by outside agitators, and it's like literally your entire fucking country is like on fire. Where where exactly are these agitators meant to have come from outside of? Oh, I can I can answer that one. The agitators have came from police precincts. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Did you see that thing the other day where um, a bunch of people had their tires slashed? Yeah, yes. yeah, and it was it was the cops. Someone's mm. like filmed the cops going around doing it, and not like not like subtly or anything, just like a, a fucking squad of like a whole squad of Ninja Turtles just wandering down the street, <laughs> slashing fucking tires. The rationale for the rationale for that is actually like here's the thing: it's scummy and it's wrong, but they're not hiding it in any way, shape, or form because they have like an excuse, and the excuse is this: they need to slash the tires of any vehicles because they're forming a held area which they're going to set up a perimeter around. And what they can't have is someone coming out behind them, getting in a car and plowing into them from behind. Cars famously don't move with flat tiles. 
No, but like I mean, the, the engine will not turn on if you bust all the tiles. So absolutely. It's so feature, it's yeah. yeah. So it really it's a tactical maneuver that's totally justified by the violence of the protests. I mean, because of course it is. I love I love the fucking the the whole use of the word tactical when it uh, pertains to anything done by any police force in America, where it's like you know what I mean. They've got all these guys that look like they're fucking mounting some sort of futuristic crusade. Do you know what I mean? They're going to purge the Xenos or some shit. They've got like <laughs> every, everything, everything short of actual mechs, and they they fucking like you know what I mean. They use it all on like fucking complete wastes of blood, like Joy Baloney. So they can just go out and like crack people's skulls more efficiently. Like why why does why does any police force in America need tanks for fuck's sake? Like do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, Joey Baloney. Joey Baloney. Like I, I can't believe that's a real person. Like I, I, I've seen more, the articles. I know, but like it's it's more than one. This is the thing. There's two. There are two Balonies that have been employed by. That's a lot of Baloney. You're lying. <laughs> No, I promise it, it is a load of baloney, but it's not a load of baloney. Um, there was one who was employed during the Occupy protests and did a bunch of uh, of um, you know violent crimes, essentially. Not that he got charged. Uh, and then there's this different, the son of baloney, if you will, is the current one. <laughs> the baloney strikes back, yeah. Yeah, no. Joy, Joy Baloney is uh, an absolute coward because he'll he, never, never respond to me on Twitter. I keep asking him perfectly innocent questions and he just blanks me every time. That's outrageous. Respond to the pod. He's just afraid of the truth. That's what it is. Just, just keep asking because as history has has demonstrated, you know, it happens first as tragedy and then as baloney. So just keep going, and I'm sure you'll get a reply. So, what? Where do we think this is going to go? Like, I mean, it's it's big. It's it's probably the biggest kind of. I mean, are you asking for predictions? I mean, not even predictions. My, just... my, my prediction would be Joey Baloney gives himself a heart attack just thinking about getting out of a chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, like, I mean, like, I mean, the whole thing. I mean, let's, let's go all fucking Joey Baloney for a minute. Like, where, where, where could it go? I'm not even saying where do we think it will go, but like, where could it go from here? All right, I'll stick my neck out. Um, I said, like, not long after this all kicked off, I was saying that. I wouldn't be surprised if it kicks off in London seriously by the end of July, because I thought it would take a little while for things to percolate over. But it seems to me like that's actually been, I mean, we've, we've all seen Traffic Cop meeting his, uh, you know, failing his quick time event and getting laid the fuck out. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it, it's basically just if you put a crowd of people anywhere in London, the police will turn up, kettle them and or charge them like with cavalry. Yeah. So... Which is, in its own way, is kind of quaint. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, like, the, the Americans are all, like, t- all on some Tom Clancy bullshit. All their police departments have, like, future soldier rifles and, like, exoskeletons with lasers on them and stuff. All their, and poli- hours, uh, hours, all their horses are, like, cyborg horses with laser yeah, eyes and stuff. Like, yeah. wheels instead of back legs and stuff. Yeah, and, and we're, still do- <laughs> we're still doing, like, mounted charges at protesters. The charge of the lights brigade. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> just go away. Fuck off. <laughs> so here's the thing: Britain has underfunded its police tremendously, and doesn't have the same kind of riot capabilities, you know, suppression capabilities for riots as America does. Mm. So if it kicks off here, it could be way more interesting. But at the same time. 
most of the British public is far less radicalised yeah, I mean, than that's the American. Thing. We, we don't have to, like, we've underfunded our police because it's just, you know, like, money given to the police is money not given to, like, David Cameron's mates or, or whatever. Yeah. But also, we have much less need for a militarised police force because British people just love nothing more than, like, the, the fucking feel of a boot on their neck. So you can just you can just tell them to behave themselves, and they generally will. Like they'll go out every weekend and get pissed and put traffic cones on things and and break a few windows and stuff. But that's just high spirits. They won't actually do any kind of like organized revolt. Except, except that there might be a miscalculation here, because oh, hopefully. Well, here's the <laughs> thing: most of Britain, if you take Britain as a whole, on average, yeah, you know, we just don't have the numbers of people who are you know tuned into how bad things are. Except the ones that are tend to be concentrated in the cities, especially London um, and places like Bristol and other places. Uh, that might be the miscalculation that makes things very interesting, because if it does start to kick off, then I suspect we might be in a weird situation where the rural countryside, I, I say rural, but, you know, just anywhere that isn't the urban metropoles is essentially going, oh, this is outrageous. But they're all out of the cities. Whereas, meanwhile, shit starts going down in the cities, you know, yeah. quite intensely. I mean, the other, the other thing is, as well, you, you generally, there's less need for the police to have, like, stealth bombers and fucking, like, orbital <laughs> weapons platforms in Britain. Because, um, because we're not armed as a, we're not armed as a populace. Like, What's... hang on, if you say less need, how can you have less than zero? Yeah, this is like an over-militarization problem, not like a, a... No, it's ju it's just a militarization problem, not an over militarization yeah. <laughs> problem. Yeah. No, but I mean, it, it's it's following the cop logic. Like, I mean, the cop logic in America is that everybody's got guns, and what? How do you stop a bad guy with a gun? You get a good guy with a gun, which is you know fucks up the equation because I mean, you send a cop in, who's the fucking good guy? <laughs> yeah, I nice. mean, the, the problem the problem is if a cop if a cop stands up to a guy with a gun. It's like, you know, there's a good chance the cop might get shot. So what you need is a Death Star with LAPD written on the outside of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, my brain has just flashed back to comics that Tim Krager did way back under the Bush administration. that had a bunch of, like, liberal protests against Darth Vader, etc. While overhead, the, the Death Star is just charging up to, like, obliterate them all. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's a... Like, that feels a bit like Occupy on the nose. Um, whereas <laughs> now, I don't know, like in terms of predictions, I don't know if this will happen, but I do think there's a pretty good chance London could seriously kick off. And if it does, I genuinely don't know. I don't know where that goes. I don't know if it spreads mm. to the other cities and if it does, how much it might spread to maybe Manchester, maybe Bristol. I don't know. Seb, there's a thought. If, if London was to kick off, do you think Bristol would follow? I mean, it, it would depend entirely on the cause, you know, like, um, the the sort of well the the Bristol economy and stuff like that is fairly independent of the London one uh, as London is fairly independent from most of the rest of the other country so mm -hmm. yeah it's it would be hard to say but just just in just in contextual stuff um like like you know for for what happened on Sunday the pulling down of the statue like I suspect that not more than half a dozen people actually were involved in you know bringing the ropes saying we're going to tear it down kind of stuff and yet there were 
at that particular time, hundreds of people just out for a, a protest and thousands of people just out on the march itself. And so that handful of people correctly in tuned or realized that the other people would support them in their action. And so that's sort of like the key point as in how you get results. It's it's reading the crowd before the crowd exists, making the plans and then sort of achieving whatever your particular goal is. And so that hmm. that's like the model for successful um, you know, political activity to try and do that. Some sort of um some sort of vanguard. Yeah, bluntly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because this can't be put together on the scene, like we were saying earlier. Like, um, you know, there are all of these actors literally coming in and saying, oh, let's, uh, I'm going to be a spokesperson. Let's go talk to the police or flat out being paid by the police or flat out being the police. And then if you have mm. prior organization with, you know, recognition with communication links to actually verify and, you know, trust each other to achieve their aims, then that is sort of the, the critical model of certainly working within you know big riotty type events but then also it does apply to sort of the public in general that you know the statue took fucking decades of petitions and all kinds of appeals and it didn't get taken down most people before it fell down like uh well got taken down rather um were saying like there's 10 percent saying yes take it down most people not bothered. As soon as you pull it down, then there's like the 13% saying, yeah, it got taken down and they, it was right to take it down. And then like another 40% have suddenly said, well, I'm glad it's down, even if they didn't use the right way. So there's always that it's better to beg forgiveness than ask permission to a lot of this yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, going back to the kind of like wider forecast and stuff, like we have recent form in the UK for for spreading protests, mm. um, like if you think back to when was that two thousand and eleven? Eleven, yeah, yeah. Um, when Mark Duggan, um, they was it they planted a fucking weapon on him, didn't they? Oh, they do in the area, basically, but... in the I in the area, I but um, I so the, the the killing of Mark Duggan, um, happened and London kicked off, and then Manchester kicked off. I think. Liverpool kicked off as well, did it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it, it did spread, and yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past it, especially considering that there are, like, I mean, there's... This is all being sparked off in, in the US by George Floyd, but it does happen here as well. Mm. Um, but one as of the, our, one of the as main, our previous podcast went into in some depth. Mm, yeah, well, we hope so. We should note we were recording this, like... And a kind of half hour, hour lag behind the other one, so we have no idea what they've discussed. So if there has been repeated <laughs> topics, sorry. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it, it, George Floyd was the was the catalyst event for everything in the US, and it spread over here. But we've got our own things here that's happened as well. I mean, recently, um, there was uh, Bella Majinga, mm-hmm. um, who was the the tube worker that was spat on by someone. And it's fine. It's not a crime. Don't worry about it. She died of COVID nineteen, uh, not long after that incident. So, yeah. But apparently that's fine. That's it's not a crime. Um, there's and th- there is a long history. Like um, we did go into this two episodes ago, um, of violence against um, 
the black and minority ethnic community. So there's there's scope for it to spread. There's absolutely scope for it to spread, and we'll just need to wait and see. But what about the US? The US seems a lot more open-ended. It's definitely a lot more fucking advanced on in what's happening. Well, yeah, um, they've got none of the There's a fucking autonomous zone. <laughs> yeah, they've they've implemented none of the support things that are keeping a lid on, you know, stuff here in the UK to actually mm. try and calm people down, keep them in their homes securely, keep mm. them fed, basically. And so, yeah, mm. it's they, they've created a massive upswell of people that genuinely have no option but to get onto the streets <laughs> and they're doing so so yeah in terms of calming it down christ knows it's yeah like and until there's actual like um political strands appearing and you know sort of like not just uh occasional demands and things like that like actual groups appearing then it, it could still essentially peter out because it, it, as as little alternative they have unless it um, sort of not congeals, but condenses together into a, a, a like a, a unified project with a set kind of goal, then just wearing down of the protesters by the armed forces will probably happen because the lack of the, the police know why they're there. They will keep going out there as long as they get paychecks and the orders. The protesters don't have that united of purpose. They're just driven by essential outrage at, you know, their the lived experiences and their future prospects disappearing, etc. See, I don't know. I don't know if that's gonna. I don't know if that's gonna be any sort of like recipe for it petering out though. Like you've got, I think was it New York said that they were putting all their officers on seven day, twelve hour shifts. Like they will run out of able-bodied officers. Well, yeah, there there is potentially a, a war of attrition going on here between yeah. who exhausts their manpower first. I totally get that, but I wouldn't yeah. say it's a slam dunk that the protesters. It's have not that. a slam dunk, but the, the, I mean, I can't remember. Oh, fuck, I cannot remember who it was that said it, but someone in a position of authority, um, literally said, "There's more of them than us." Like, they recognise the problem of their position and the actual amount of power they wield. Like, as soon as you challenge authority, it doesn't hold the same power. Like, no matter what you've got to back that authority up, you know, whether or not you you do have your fucking army or fucking part-time space marines, it's it, it doesn't count for as much as soon as they're actually challenged because they've then got to do a display of force. If they do a display of force, they're only going to drag it out more. Like, there's no simple solution for the cops to put this down. No. Leaving it to, you know, the cops can't do it, so then it's left to the next level up. Yeah. So here's the thing. Like, I kind of... I disagree with you, Seb, slightly on your analysis, but I don't necessarily come to different overall conclusions. So let me explain why. I'm with David in that we're seeing attrition on the police side in the United States. And we're also seeing severe, we're seeing logistical problems with like the distribution of tear gas, etc. We're seeing protesters actually able to take territory and hold it, which is astonishing. Um, we're seeing a political kind of, not, I wouldn't say organised political backing or organised political demands taking place quite yet. But we are seeing like a political consensus that, oh well, these things are understandable from a lot of politicians in the States, which has a little bit of de facto permission. 
Um, Mitt Romney fucking going on the marches like made my brain implode slightly, but it does make perfect sense. This is the one like Mitt Romney's dad, George Romney, as it turns out, what basically threw his career away because he refused to be racist, and so he got fired by Nixon for it. And uh, it seems that Mitt Romney, although he is evil and complicit in structural racism wrongs, on a personal level, turns out he's not actually racist. And so he's been, you know, doing that, probably also to noise up Trump as well. But anyway, so there's like, there's like a, almost, there's a political legitimization there, which will help kind of sustain things a bit. Now, you're right in that if it was anyone other than Trump in office, if it was Obama in office right now, I think they would be able to take the pressure out of this thing and put it to bed. And God, God bless him, Obama has been trying. He's been trying to do the president thing while not being president. Problem is, he's not the president and it's not sticking, essentially. So they don't really have the de-escalation. All that's left off the back of that is bringing out bigger and bigger sticks or capitulating. And they can't really capitulate. People are wise to the capitulation. Um, you know, like the the Minnesota, Minneapolis, sorry, um, council was saying, oh, we're going to defund the police. And then people were like, no, hang on a minute. You're in talks with the police about how to de- abolish the police and create a new organization. The whole point is you listening to the police and doing what they say. Why are you doing this? So that's not helped at all. And similar options aren't really helping. And Joe Biden shooting him in the legs certainly isn't helping, nor is Nancy Pelosi. Hey, um, you know, Kente cloth kind of protest, uh, you know, solidarity isn't really helping. So all that's left is Trump and Trump is going to escalate. And that's already causing a bit of a kerfuffle between him and the chief of staff. Um, sorry, chief of joint forces even. So... Here's the thing. I think America's going to end up ultimately violently repressing these. I don't see any other calculus for this. Um, I don't think the protests can win in an outright conflict, but I don't see America... Like, I, I can't see any division here. I can't see them being able to give political concessions. I can't see them being able to de-escalate and make the thing peter out. I don't think that's going to happen. I think all that's left is they're going to escalate. The escalation will keep the protests going until ultimately they're violently crushed. I mean, what then comes off the back of that is the interesting question for me. It's yeah, yeah. Well, you either end up fucking full hard fascism, or um, everyone pretends to go back to normal, which is unlikely. I I don't buy. I still don't buy the idea that escalations effectively possible. Okay, it's possible, so, but I don't buy that it's effectively possible. So you don't think the state is actually able to do the escalation in practice? I think it can attempt to. Um, I I don't buy the idea that the armed forces will fully commit to anything. I think what you could see is a, a little a little rebellion on that front. A few little rebellions. My long term thought is this goes to American Civil War eventually, not necessarily soon, but eventually. But one yeah. of the snar- one of the scenarios I had in mind was okay. How what would have to happen for it to go to a civil war sooner rather than later? And one of them is a conflict between American governors and the presidency over the use of armed forces. Mm. But I don't know. I, I, here's the thing: I genuinely have no fucking idea how likely that is to come to pass. Mm. What do you think? Oh so? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking impossible to predict. I mean, yeah. Uh, stealing a Twitter joke at this point, we're all living through that period of the textbook that said events leading up to. Or contributing yeah. causes to, but none of us can really pin down what that two is going to be just yet. So yeah, nobody knows if this is Russia nineteen oh five or Russia nineteen seventeen. 
Yeah, or yeah. just something else that literally defies comparisons because it's a really <laughs> freaking bizarre situation. Yeah. Like, America doesn't have the Vanguard Party thing that Seb's ideology coalesces around. The real question, I think, of the moment is whether the anarchist kind of perspective has any fruit to bear here, even though I'm not particularly expecting it, to be honest. Um, mm. Is there going to be a Kronstadt taking place? Mm. Like, that's... I don't think it's likely, but it would be hell of an interesting if it did. Well, yeah, yeah I mean... I mean... <sighs> to pull up to that level would still have, you know, an extreme level of organisation. So, you know, you, you would literally not just be controlling a few city blocks or whatever you would be essentially seceding and uh yeah that that, that is open civil war yeah like, that is open fully defined civil war at that point yeah mm. i mean i don't know it, it could go fucking so many ways just now and i just hope it goes away that works out best for for the majority of people um like for, for fucking for working people for all the fucking Jesus Christ! All the fucking minority groups that are just shat upon from above constantly. Like it needs, it does need to change. It really does need to fucking change, and it has needed to since fucking inception. Um, I just I hope that something that can, that comes out of this does it in as quick a way as possible, um, rather than rather than fucking dragging out for years and years and causing endless fucking suffering on the road to get there. Obviously, we'd we, we we all like the quick revolution to to sort it out, but I just I, I do hope we get something that's as bloodless and effective as possible. I don't think you're going to get bloodless. I will Yo, say you're not is... going to get bloodless, but as much as possible. There is one major checkbox which has been filled, which hadn't been before in America, which is that for the first time I'm seeing a majority of Americans acknowledging that peaceful protest doesn't work in comparison yes. to direct action. Yeah. Like that is a, that is a hell of a change for America. Mm. Yeah. That, that, that's, that, that is really a paradigm shift for, for a Western liberal democracy. I mean, to, to whatever fucking extent you can still claim they are that. Um, like the idea that peaceful protest has been deemed as non-effective. So don't bother with it anymore is, is fucking powerful. Because it's always been just like I was saying with that fucking statue in the cone, it's it's establishment authorized protest against the establishment. It's mm. fucking pointless. Mm. Free speech zones. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's the thing. They've had their free speech zones under you know starting under yeah. George Bush presidency, and now people are going now nah, fuck that. And I yeah. don't think that goes back in the bottle. Even if they even if they take the pressure off, right, and they manage to they do some bullshit concessions. People are going to realise, hang on, these concessions are bullshit. And if they don't do bullshit concessions, if they can't take the pressure off, which I think is a more likely path, they'll do armed repression. People are still going to realise, shit, are we actually forced something to transpire? And I don't think that goes away. And that, I think, is the basis by which you start to form, you know, real social movements that are really grappling with the idea of, hey, we should, like, get political power and since all the avenues to us getting political power are closed off through civil society, I guess we should try and acquire it by some other means, be it, you know, spontaneous protest and like rioting, or be it like, you know, something a bit more um a bit more planned. Um, careful what I'm saying here, the pod <laughs> solicitors in my ear. So yeah. 
interesting times. Yeah. Same here. Well, we'll just need to see how it goes. Um, yeah, the future is coming. That's always the case. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll we'll probably end up on that note. Um, and again, I will make sure that there is a link to... Um, in fact, I, I posted a link on the mm, two episodes ago um, that was just a nice big list of all the bail funds and everything else that you can donate to. Um, I'm just going to steal the one that Trash Future have been using um, because that's a great one that actually lets you make a single donation and it splits it across all the bail funds, which, you know, if you want to do that, that's great. Um, I'll be honest. I mean, it's, you know, times have moved past us now. We can't use the same bail funds because we need to put a new bail fund right at the top for Seb for when he never to tearing down yeah, the statue not, single-handedly. Not, not for me, but there is the Bristol bail fund somewhere, so I'll try and get that link in as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll drop that in. Um, and yeah, I think that will probably do us. Um, full solidarity with the Capital Hill Autonomous Zone. Yeah, go on, Chads. You can do it. We all believe in you. So, in solidarity with everyone out protesting and getting what they want through di- or getting what they need. Yeah, I should say through direct action. All power to the working class, comrades. Awesome. Right. Uh, well, yeah. Do we even say goodbye or? Yeah. Yeah. Right, see you later, folks. Yeah, thanks Take everyone care. for listening. Bye. See you next time. Bye. Okay, bye, bye.